Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. This is a deadline being set by the Taliban. Beijing's actions continue to undermine the rules-based order. Some money should come from the federal government for Border Patrol. We know this vaccine is safe and effective. Our hospitals are at capacity. There's just a world of hurt going on. Our ICUs are full. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Tom and Benny and Clark. A lot to talk about this afternoon. The situation in the White House is anybody's guess. I mean, you talk about confused. Uh, They don't know. I want to keep it PG. They don't know their rear end from third base, though. um, So earlier today, Joe Biden comes out and says, nope. August 31st, we're done. We're out of there. And in fact, Fox News is reporting they've already started to pull some of the troops out of the United States troops out of Afghanistan. Then late this afternoon, the White House backtracked and said, well, you know, no, we're not completely saying that uh, we're going to be out of there by August the 31st. As we speak, the president is uh, going to address the nation concerning the fears that Americans may be left behind because of the chaotic withdrawal. So, I, I, you know, I mean, yesterday we heard Jen Psaki say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm incensed that Peter Ducey would say that Americans are being stranded in Afghanistan. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. In fact, there were pleas, there were audio pleas from Americans saying, help us get out of here. We are stranded. Uh, several reports of that, and you know, pretty much, uh, President Biden has as much said that earlier in the week that you know we basically can't guarantee you'll get out. So, you know, for Jen Psaki to continue to just berate him and the fact that no one else will come to his defense uh, or challenge Biden, looks like President Biden is getting ready to speak right now. Yeah, he's getting ready to address the nation again. Um, Four hours late. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, We'll see if we can get part of that. Here was uh, Representative Mike McCall, who is from Texas. Here's what he had to say about the report from, uh, this is late this morning, when Biden's White House came out and said, August 31st, we're out of here. My understanding is the president just announced a firm withdrawal date of August 31st. I can tell you there's no way we can humanly get all of our American citizens and Afghan partners out of country by that time. I've called this consistently an unmitigated disaster of epic proportions. It will be a stain on this presidency, and particularly after the decision made today and what we heard today, he will have blood on his hands. People are going to die, and they're going to be left behind. The biggest credo in the military is no man left behind, no one left behind, um, and that's precisely what we were doing, we were violating the trust and moral obligation uh, that we gave them. And not only that, but how is this impacting our status in the global community? You know, when our Brits, the prime minister and secretary of defense are calling upon us to extend the deadline, uh, the Germans, because they want to get their people out of there as well. But instead, we have a president who's intimidated and is begging to negotiate with the Taliban. 
to put ourselves in that place where we're begging the Taliban to give us more time to evacuate. And then we give the Taliban exactly what they want, empowering them. I know when Biden met with Putin, Putin said you cannot put your ISR intelligence capabilities in, in the region. And now we're having the president of Russia telling this president what to do. Our global standing has greatly diminished. We're projecting weakness, not strength. And for months, we told this administration, as the IC briefed us on a grim situation, that it was deteriorating rapidly. The Taliban's going to take over. Afghan's going to fall. Please get our Americans out. Please get our Afghan partners out. Instead, they're stranded there. Our military's pulling out, and they're going to be left behind. And from a world stage standpoint, um, I can't think of a weaker posture that we could put ourselves in. Our allies no longer trust us, and our enemies no longer fear us. And that's Russia, China, and Iran, and Pakistan. This will have grave long-term consequences for our national security down the road. Okay, we've managed to uh, connect with uh, President Biden as he has addressed the nation, so uh, let's go to him right now. He's already started up in D.C. match on the ground in Kabul and to our allies still standing with us. And we had a productive discussion. There was strong agreement among the leaders about both about evacu the evacuation mission underway as well as the need to coordinate our approach to, the Afghan to Afghanistan as we move forward. First, on evacuation. We agreed that we will continue to close our close cooperation to get people out as efficiently and safely as possible. We are currently on a pace to finish by August the 31st. The sooner we can finish, the better. Each day of operations brings added risk to our troops. But the completion by August 31st depends upon the Taliban continuing to cooperate and allow access to the airport for those who were, trans were transporting out and no disruptions to our operations. In addition, I've asked the Pentagon and the State Department for contingency plans to adjust the timetable, should that become necessary. I'm determined to ensure that we complete our mission, this mission. I'm also mindful of the increasing risks that I've been, I've been uh, briefed on and the need to factor those, re those risks in. They're real and significant challenges that we also have to take into consideration. The longer we stay, starting with the acute and growing risk of an attack by a terrorist group known as ISIS-K, an ISIS affiliate in Afghanistan, which is the sworn enemy of the Taliban as well. Every day we're on the ground is another day we know that ISIS-K is seeking to target the airport and attack both U.S. and allied forces and innocent civilians. Additionally, Thus far, the Taliban have been taking uh, steps to work with us so we can get our people out. But it's a tenuous situation. We already had some uh, gunfighting break out. We run a serious risk of it breaking down as time goes on. Second, the G7 leaders and the leaders of the EU, NATO, and the UN all agreed that we will stand united in our approach to the Taliban. We agreed the legitimacy of any future government depends on the approach it now takes to uphold international obligations, including to prevent Afghanistan from being used as a base for terrorism. And we agree that none of us are going to take the Taliban's word for it. We'll judge them by their actions and we'll stay in close coordination on any steps 
that we take moving forward in response to the Taliban's behavior. At the same time, we renewed our humanitarian commitment to the Afghan people and supported a proposal by the Secretary General Guterres of the United Nations-led international response with unfettered humanitarian access in Afghanistan. Third, we talked about our mutual obligation to support refugees and evacuees currently fleeing Afghanistan. The United States will be a leader in these efforts and will look to the international community and to our partners to do the same. We're already seeing our allies' commitment. They're bringing, their, they're bringing to their countries the Afghans who served alongside their forces as translators or in their embassies, just as we're bringing to the United States those Afghans who worked alongside our forces and diplomats. We're continuing that effort. We're conducting thorough uh, security screening in the intermediate stops they're making for anyone who is not a U.S. citizen or a lawful permanent resident of the United States. Anyone arriving in the United States will have undergone a background check. And, and we must all work together to resettle thousands of Afghans who ultimately qualify for refugee status. The United States will do our part. And we are already working closely with refugee organizations to rebuild a system that was purposely destroyed by my predecessor. Finally, we agreed to stay vigilant against terrorist threats that have metastasized around the world. We went to Afghanistan with our allies in 2001 for clear reasons. One, to get the people who attacked us on 9-11 and to get Osama bin Laden and to make sure that Afghanistan was not used again as a base from which to attack the United States or our allies. We achieved that objective. We delivered justice to bin Laden more than a decade ago. But the current environment looks very different than it did in 2001, and we have to meet the challenges we face today. We run effective counterterrorism operations around the world where we know terrorism is more of a threat than it is today in Afghanistan, without any permanent military presence on the ground. And we can and will do the same thing in Afghanistan with our over-the-horizon counterterrorism capability. Cooperation with our closest partners on our enduring counterterrorism mission will continue to be an essential piece of our strategy. In short, we all, all of us agreed today that we're going to stand shoulder to shoulder with our closest partners to meet the current challenges we face in Afghanistan, just as we have for the past 20 years. We're acting in consultation and cooperation with our closest friends and fellow democracies. And I want to again thank all of our allies and partners around the world who have rallied in support of our shared mission. We ended the conversation today by a clear statement on all of our parts. We are going to stay united, locked at the hip in terms of what we have to do. We'll get that done. And tomorrow, uh, I've asked uh, um, Secretary Blinken to give you an update and a detailed report on exactly how many Americans are still in Afghanistan, how many have gone out, and what our projection is. So thank you again, and God bless you, and may God protect our diplomats and all those in harm's way. Thank you. Okay, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, he actually blamed the situation on Donald Trump. On Donald Trump. I, I, I mean, I was screaming out loud when I heard that. 
Mm-hmm. What a horse's rear end. I, I'm sorry. I know he's the president. I'm, 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 my mind is blown. What a bunch of garbage. What a bunch of BS. You know, the, the one, one interesting comment he said there, um, and I thought about this. In fact, we talked about it before we came on the show. He said he had been briefed on some increased risk there by the – well, he didn't say the CIA. There were some reports that the CIA had briefed them on – I think there's some serious issues going on, some serious terrorist threats going on, because that's why they're starting to get American troops out. Uh, if they've already started getting American troops out, how in the heck do you think we're going to get all the Americans out? Um, so he says that we'll get all our uh, people out by August the 31st. Now, everybody else, everybody else from around the world and in Congress, anybody that is not a— lapdog to Biden, who's a lapdog to Obama, who's a lapdog to George Soros, saying there's no way we're going to get everybody out by August the 31st. But if we work real hard, we'll be able to get them all out. Um, The idea that they've got um, contingency plans, he's going to the Pentagon to to find out whether or not they're contingency, how we can have contingency plans to stay there longer. That is his way of saying, get off my back. I, I think what he said earlier today, now I'm, I'm, I'm just projecting what I think. He said earlier today, we've got to be out of there by August the 31st. And he said, well, you know, we're going, I can go to the Pentagon and we'll get contingency plans. That's, that's so you will leave him alone and they will have that, that they can, that's their get out of jail free card till August the 31st. Whenever it comes up, oh, we're working on the contingency plans. And, and words matter. He said that we will ask the Taliban for their cooperation. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, the people that we've been fighting for 20 years over there. <laughs> and he comes out and says, and we're going to have all kinds of humanitarian uh, efforts for the uh, Afghan people. You know, if, if why should we believe you? Why should the Afghans believe you? you? You've already turned your back on them. You've destroyed the nation. You've allowed the Taliban to destroy the nation. Why would they believe you? And, and, and you come out and say, and, and uh, yeah, we'll be the leader in this cause. You're the leader in the downfall of Afghanistan. I just and the idea that you're vetting all the Afghanis that would come into this country, like you're vetting all the people at the southern border. Yeah, they don't have a good track record of, <laughs> of checking background checks. Wow. for people at the border. How, look, how many are going to come over the southern border? Where it's well, wide yeah. open. I mean, absolutely. Put on. <laughs> I'm, I'm I. But but when he came out and said that th- that the system was destroyed by Donald Trump, purposely destroyed by my predecessor, purposely, <laughs> give me a break. I mean, look, the, the the garbage that we're hearing coming out of Afghanistan right now was what we heard every day when Obama was in office. Mm-hmm. It wasn't very many months after Trump was in office that. Suddenly, we never heard anything about going on in Afghanistan. We never heard about people in danger. We never heard about our soldiers being killed. And now it's on the front page news again. I mean, so so you people that went out and thought, you know, I don't like Donald Trump's tweeting. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden. How did it work out for you? And the world, the world sits back and realizes, and any reasonable person sits back and realizes, we have an empty suit in the White House. He has no clue what's going on. You know, we were talking before we went on the air. I've got a theory. I've got a theory. And um, I I mentioned yesterday, isn't it interesting that while Trump was president, he 
dictated to the Taliban what the consequences would be if the Taliban didn't find a way to follow each minute point Mm -hmm. of the agreements we were going through. May have not been diplomatically, but it was effective. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, they, you know, they, they, (laughs) they obeyed. They, they conformed. There, and there's times when diplomacy takes a backseat to effectiveness. Bingo. And Trump did that. Well, he wasn't presidential. I think he was very presidential. What do we, what do we have now? We've got a guy who is in the White House now who the Taliban, he's begging the Taliban. He's begging our enemy. And there's now Taliban coming to Joe Biden as Joe Biden and the United States cower as it's being lectured to about what to do, when to do it, how high do I jump on the way up? Yeah, there's only two things right now in this world, keeping this world from being worse than it was the shape it was in in World War II, pre-World War II. Only two things. Number one, the United States being a military superpower. Number two, United States being a financial superpower. And we are dangerously close to that ending at the same time. And if it, and if it happens, um, God help the world. You there better, there you was a be really good article in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was probably two days ago. Uh, I think the guy's name was uh, Mead. His last name was Mead. But it basically it was, is, is this Joe Biden's Neville Chamberlain moment? And but the point he was making is Neville Chamberlain went over, met with Hitler, came back and, and you know, said, oh, we have peace in our time. And anybody that had any common sense that was a part of the allies, they, they immediately said, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? You're going to trust this guy? And, of course, we, we all know the rest of the story. And now we've got Joe Biden, who is scrambling out of Afghanistan as quickly as he can. And, uh, you know, but, hey, but we're going to have peace in our time. The war is over. You know, tell that to the Taliban that the war is over. The war's not over. The war's not over the people in Afghanistan. Well, the key difference between Chamberlain and Biden is, from a cognitive standpoint, Biden does not have the cognitive ability to listen to uh, good advice on either side and make any kind of rational decision because he does not have—I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again before the end of the year. He will be removed from office one way or the other. But here's the other part of my theory. And I think it was planned. (laughs) This $85 billion worth of military arms and equipment that brand new, I mean, brand spanking new. Some of these Humvees haven't even been started yet. Nice Blackhawks. They got more Blackhawks than Australia has now. Yep, more than any other United Nations country and the United States. I, I, I'm convinced. I'm sorry. I'm convinced that is, that was not a poor judgment call. That was not an oops moment. That was deliberate. Every time Obama did something between the United States and the Taliban or any kind of Muslim jihadist, it was always the jihadists that seemed to come out on top. Mm. I am convinced. I am convinced. I, empirical evidence? No, but... I, there ain't no way we would do something that stupid unless it was planned that way. <laughs> and and you, you, people are saying, well, why didn't they get the? Why didn't they get all these individuals, these Americans, out 
ahead of time when we know the Taliban was coming in. I think it was because they wanted to make sure if we had gotten the Americans out early on, they would have said, well, why aren't you getting the equipment out early on? Tipping the scales. I think, exactly. I think they mm-hmm. just said, no, we'll just wait to the last minute, and then it'll be too late to do anything. And guess what? We have now looked at our enemy and saying, we will now fully arm you. You are now a major military might that the world is going to have to deal with. The latest technology, state-of-the-art, and we've handed it to them, $85 billion worth. We cannot and will not give financial advice on this show, but whoever makes Black Hawk helicopters, um, hey, we, we'll probably need buying some more pretty soon. we got to take a timeout. Stay with us. Much more to come. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast tonight, mostly clear, low around 74. Tomorrow, a chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly in the afternoon, a high near 90 chance of rain tomorrow, 40%. Tomorrow night, a 30% chance of rain, low around 74. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Voted best golf course in Greenville two years in a row. Ironwood Golf and Country Club boasts an 18-hole lead Trevino design course, full-service dining, an outdoor pool, tennis, and more. Our newly renovated 15,000-square-foot clubhouse is the perfect place to make new traditions with your family. For a limited time, join Ironwood, pay zero initiation fees. Give them a call, 252-752-4653. Find out what makes us, Ironwood, the best of Greenville. 252-752-4653. Be a part of the best Ironwood Golf and Country Club. Fall is the best time for golf. It is, uh, we're going into the most gorgeous time of the year. So give them a call. Greg Murphy uh, made national news today. Fox News picked up an interview with Greg. Of course, Greg was with us just uh, last week talking about all that was going on in Afghanistan. And uh, also we talked a little bit about COVID. But uh, the focus was in Afghanistan from earlier today, the Biden administration held a classified briefing for members of Congress earlier today regarding the military exit. Anthony Blinken, Secretary of uh, Defense Lloyd Austin, um, National Intelligence, uh, Avil Haynes, Chief, uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff Mark Milley, uh, all the big wigs, all the, the brains of the outfit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Officials discussed efforts to get Americans and American allies out of the country. Um, Murphy said, unfortunately, the difference between what's coming out of the White House and what's coming out of the Defense Department and what's coming out of the State Department is literally gobbledygook of misinformation. The general feeling among his colleagues was outrage after the meeting that he believes it's most people's opinion that the administration's recent exit decisions have been the greatest blunder of the presidency in the history of the United States. And again, my question is, is it a blunder? Or, or is this treasonous? Mm. I, I wish, I, you know, I almost wish it was a blunder, because then we could say, well, they're idiots, and we'll eventually get rid of them. But I, 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 I am really asking myself, are these blunders, or are they by design? It makes you wonder, and I think, um, I, you know, I think there will be a lot of information leaked because you know, uh, the, the military and CIA and State Department officials, they're going to continue to leak information that. You know, the intel and the reports going to Biden because they're not going to take the fall for it. Adam Schiff. Now, this guy is not exactly a genius. 
Uh, he was the chairman of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Mm. <laughs> Boy, that is scary. Oof. Adam Schiff is the chairman on our Intelligence Committee. He said yesterday that he believes it's very unlikely that the United States will get every American out of Afghanistan by August the 31st. You just heard the president yeah. here live just a few minutes ago. Oh, if we try real hard, we roll up our shirt sleeves and everybody cooperates. If everybody gets the vaccine and if we all wear masks, we can get everybody out by August the 31st. And again, we, you know, on the same day, you have Democrat leaders in Congress, the State Department, um, people in the military saying exactly the opposite of what Biden says whenever he does speak yep. or when Jen Psaki speaks. Yep. And no one questions it except for Peter Ducey. We, we don't have a, we don't have a press in this country. No. Uh, interestingly, Greg came out, Representative Murphy, Dr. Murphy came out and basically said, he thinks Biden is grandstanding. Now, you know, at the end of the day, if he's in the grandstand or he's standing in front of the grandstand, he's acting as a rodeo clown. He didn't know what he's doing. <laughs> but uh, he's he he grandstanding. Mm. Um, interesting. Another Unless article. Biden don't know what he's doing. Not Greg Murphy. <laughs> I mean, I just don't think Biden can put a thought enough to to have a have a theory or a plan. Now. The House Oversight Committee, the Republicans on the House Oversight Committee, they want an um, investigation into Afghanistan's exiled president, uh, Ghani. They want him to be brought to justice. Apparently, they're saying that Ghani walked off with $169 million in cash. Now, he has left Afghanistan and... Um, Where'd he go? He went over to the uh, Emirates. He went to yeah, United Emirates, I think. Yeah. <clears throat> United Arab Emirates, UAE. So he left Afghanistan in a helicopter. He had so many duffel bags full of cash <laughs> that they had to leave some on the tarmac. He had a getaway bag like the the mafia used to have, you know, for when the when the uh, FBI caught up with him. <laughs> Representative James Comer, top Republican on the Oversight Committee, and Glenn Grotham from Wisconsin sent letters to both uh, Merrick Garland and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken asking for a briefing no later than August the 31st on whether Ghani is in possession of U.S. taxpayer dollars and whether the United States government is seeking criminal charges against him. If true, this was not the dignified exit of a benevolent head of state. You know, remember when Ghani was over here, it was probably about a year ago, and, you know, he was playing the violin and how wonderful the American people are and our, our Afghani people are so indebted to you. We love you. We love you, blah, blah, blah. And this guy was, I mean, and listen, how many billions and billions and billions of dollars do we give away to countries and heads of state like this guy and it never gets to the people it was intended to get to. It's been happening for at least for decades. 50, at least for fifty years. Probably I, I can, longer ago than that. Yeah, but I can my account gosh. for fifty years. Yeah. This, I mean, this is so typical. And, and then, well, Biden. I mean, uh, Trump is not presidential because he don't want to give this money away. The money doesn't ever get to the people that want it. It gets to these guys who line their pockets. And so, yet, we'll still have liberals that want to give it all away. Yeah, so folks, uh, when you pay your tax bill for you know the, the what few taxpayers we have in America now, yep. just remember that a college professor, which Ghani was basically a college professor, that's what he was before he got you know anointed Afghan president. A college professor runs off with one hundred and sixty-nine million dollars, and that's probably 
I mean, that's just probably his his quick cash he got away with. There's no telling what else he had. And again, you know what they'll Sickening. say? Well, it was only 169 million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, was it was that just a drop in the bucket compared to 85 billion that we uh, lost on the the equipment? Uh, you know, I'm not an isolationist, but it, it is time for us to just hey. Take care of us, America first. Well, listen, if we don't, with everyone if else. we don't do that, there will be nothing. No, China's laughing at us. I'm crying. If I, I mean, if it was my aunt, oh my gosh, it's, it is unbelievable. You should read what they're tweeting on the White House. About uh, 600 negative comments, minimum. I printed a couple out so you can read them up right there. By the way, the uh, uh, Clark was telling us when... Biden was speaking. The then they weren't at the time. This and this was on YouTube. This wasn't on Fox News that we were taking this off of. This was off of YouTube. There was a um, ten to one dislikes over likes. Now they wouldn't print the comments, probably because they were so vile. But um, wow, unbelievable. <sighs> a lot more to talk about. Five six one eight two five five. Real quick, Carlton has been waiting patiently. Hey, Carlton, how are you, sir? Hey, Carlton. How you doing, Tom? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, this may not be related to what you're talking about, but, uh, you know, got all these liberals, socialists, communists. They want to, uh, you know, defund us, defund the police, and also take our guns away. Yep. Well, it's strange to me if they won't take my guns away. They left Blackhawks over there, 40-some, yep. I think. Yep. They left Abram tanks, Bradley machines. Yep. I mean, how can you give a country that hates us all that kind of equipment to kill us, but yet I can't have a gun in this country to protect myself? Good point. That's a great point. I saw. I mean, this is your your liberal Democrats now arming people to kill people, but yet they want our guns. Yep. Wake up, America. Wake up, America. Thank you, Carl. Appreciate it, man. Follow the money. Right on. Right on. Appreciate it. I saw pictures out of Afghanistan today in the streets, the Taliban with M16s. <laughs> Those M16s didn't come from uh didn't come from uh Vladimir Putin. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh 5618255. Uh, Gary's on the line. Hey Gary. Hey Gary. How's it going. Yes sir. Is, uh, I just want to make a comment about all the stuff that we left over there for them. Obviously, tremendous amount of weaponry and uh, planes and stuff like that, but my my question is, <clears throat> the Taliban have never had any kind of air force. Uh, I know they can shoot guns and they can figure out how to use the Humvees and stuff like that against us. But when you talk about all the planes, the jets, and the, the uh, Black Hawk helicopters, I don't think, unless I'm wrong, nobody's ever been trained on how to fly these things. I mean, you just don't jump in a helicopter and take off. Listen, listen, no, they're already, they're already in treaties with China and China knows how to fly them. No, Gary, they, right. G- they, Gary, actually, they Gary, actually, we did train the Afghani air force. They have an air force. The, the pro the problem, I know that. the pro- yeah. problem they have is being able to work on them. There was private contractors that were basically U S contractors that were keeping them running. That they've, they've been trained to fly, uh, the problem is if if the American contractors are not there, that 
Americans paying for, uh, they can't keep them running. Well, with any exactly my point. Exactly. How are they going to fly these things? Well, uh, hopefully they won't be able to, and hopefully as soon as they take off, they'll they'll run them into the side of a mountain. Oh, they would. I mean, like if I jumped into a helicopter, I wouldn't know what in the world to do with it. You know. There's yeah. a lot of mercenaries in this world for enough money, and they and they and they sell an awful lot of opium in Afghan Afghanistan. So, once the Taliban yeah. takes okay. over that, good question, Gary. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. We got to take another timeout. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Well, Governor Cuomo went out with a bang today. Uh, first of all, they took away his Emmy, which was a joke anyway, because of uh, the accusations of his sexual improprieties. <laughs> but, I mean, these horses' rear ends, they give away Emmys. I mean, look, you only gave away the Emmy because you you liked where he was coming from politically. He was a super lib. And one of the last things he did, which is probably more egregious than, than the sexual harassment thing, he pardoned, uh, what was the guy's name, uh, David somebody, that uh, was, he, he was a cop killer. Yeah, cop killer. Mm-hmm. He was in that Brinks heist, a part of the Weather Underground mm-hmm. that Bill Ayers was a part of, Obama's buddy, and he pardoned him. He pardoned the the driver of the uh, Brinks truck was in on it, and uh, one um, security guard was killed along with two police officers, and the guy, man, well, he was very David Gilbert. Yes, thank you, yeah. Clark. Um, that's probably that's probably eight or nine that's been pardoned or commuted since President Obama. With that uh, weather underground group, I mean, the, the guy should have been electrocuted. Hmm. He should have been. He should have mm-hmm. gone and sat down with old Sparky. <laughs> PJ Media is reporting. Have you heard about this? Pelosi now wants to take the three point trillion dollar infrastructure package and vote on that before the uh, smaller infrastructure package. So basically, she wants to pass the new green deal first. And if that passes, then she says she will then turn around and then we will pass the infrastructure bill that actually has some infrastructure in it. I mean, both of them are boondoggles, but the, interestingly, there are nine Democrats that don't trust Nancy Pelosi. Apparently the idea of either one of these things getting passed now uh, I mean, I don't want to sound cocky by any means, because who knows how they will cheat to get it through. That's not an appropriate question for you to ask. But Nancy Pelosi is uh, telling her folks, well, let's pass 3.5, and then I'll bring the other up for a vote. Well, why would you do that unless you want to pull the rug out from underneath them? And apparently the nine Democrats have clearly said, we don't trust Nancy Pelosi. There was a meeting last night in which it got, in fact, I can't even tell you on the air what was said, but it was a heated, cursed-filled late meeting. <laughs> so like Dick Cheney told, um, who was it, Dick Cheney? I forgot, anyway. And uh, apparently lawmakers were visibly angry at Pelosi 
And uh, she was saying they shouldn't squander the opportunity to pass these bills with their majority in the House. I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Now, granted, there's only nine, but I'm pleasantly surprised that there are actually nine Democrats in the House that actually have some sense of decency when it comes to not sticking the next couple of generations with a huge bill or the possibility of seeing our country go completely belly up. Well, if they, if they add that much debt into the spending that it's dealing with is just you know a bunch of nonsense. It's not infrastructure. Along with the election, um, basically national, HR1, yeah, yeah. Na- nationalizing our elections. Um, I, I hate to sound uh, really dire here, but I don't know if there's any hope for us if it gets passed. Well, um, and again, I... I'll say it again. Uh, the the people that are running our country in Washington D.C. right now are illegitimate candidate are illegitimate officials. Uh, they they shouldn't be there. I I believe that with all my heart. And I'd like to remind all elected Republicans in Washington to start um, distinguishing yourself from Democrats because right here right. lately it's uh, looking pretty blurry. Right here lately, it's hard to tell the difference. Speaking of cheating at elections. Dallas Woodhouse has got a good article in Carolina Journal today. The GOP-led North Carolina General Assembly has taken the rare step of firing Josh Stein for refusing his constitutional duty to fully represent the legislature in court. Now, this is what the guy's job is. He doesn't have a choice. He hasn't done it in, what, five years. (laughs) Lawmakers allege that Stein refused to file an immediate appeal of the state court, of a state court ruling, that would allow tens of thousands of convicted felons who have not completed their sentences to vote. Josh Stein ought to be impeached from office. Can we impeach the attorney general? Under the court's ruling, an estimated 56,000 convicted felons who have not finished paying their debt to society and to their victims would now be allowed to vote. Superior Court Judge Lisa Bell announced Monday the two of the three judges on a panel in the felon voting case agreed to effectively substitute their preferred policy outcome for the policy passed, uh, passed into law by the legislature back in 1973 and the direct text of the state constitution. Quote, this is an absurd ruling that flies in the face of our Constitution and further cast doubt on election integrity in North Carolina. This from Sam Hayes, the general counsel for House Speaker Tim Moore. With Stein's refusal to appeal the ruling, legislative leaders say they will hire a private law firm to represent the state and its citizens. For now, a press release from Senator Warren's office say lawmakers will file a stay of the decision pending an appeal. So you heard that right. Josh Stein, who is paid to do this, refuses to do this. So the Republicans in the state legislature have to go out and hire their own attorney to represent them. In the state constitutions, felons can't ever vote unless the legislature adopts a law to reenfranchise them. However, in the 1970s, a Democrat-led legislature passed a law allowing felons the right to vote after completing their sentences as well as parole and any probation. Under the law, felons who owe restitution to victims of crime are required to fulfill that obligation before they're allowed to vote. During the 2020 election campaign, a lawsuit was filed by civil rights groups and ex-felons in an effort to overturn that 73 law. The same three-judge panel ruled last September that felons could vote in the 2020 election 
if the only item blocking them from completing their sentences was failure to pay fines or fees. Earlier this month, the, co- the court bumped the case to the top of the pile, verbally issuing its decision Monday without a written opinion. Legislative leaders asked the attorney general to appeal the ruling immediately. Stein refused, citing an odd technicality that his office says forbids him from appealing a judge's ruling without a written opinion, which uh, Republicans in the House and the Senate are saying that's bogus. But once again... Just as Josh Stein pulled these kind of antics last in the last general election with Mark Ialis and the State Board of Elections, once again, they're back at work. The State Board of Elections has now sent out a memo to every county board of elections saying, you must go ahead and start to register convicted felons that are now in prison who under the law and under the Constitution don't have the right to vote, but because this three-panel judge in a state court said they, they can vote, which clearly goes against the law. Again, you, this, is, this is judicial activism at its finest. You are now going to have 56,000 convicted felons that have the right to vote. Now, I guess this will be appealed um, yes, probably they, to the North Carolina Supreme Court. I don't know where they're going to appeal it to, but they, yeah, they need to appeal it right away. Now, again, the Democrats control the, the Supreme Court. I don't know. Where yeah, they got go. a four-three. Uh, yeah, four-three yeah. advantage. So. I mean, it'll be temporary because eventually the uh, court will turn back the Republicans. Hey, we got to take another timeout. We'll be right back. Back to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Hey, make your plans to be with us tomorrow afternoon. We're going to have in studio Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. Interestingly, great timing for this interview because just today his um, task force presented their first findings, and uh, there were some fireworks up in the state legislature. Uh, Jay Chanturi, I think is how you pronounce his name. Yeah, um, Wake County. Wake, Wake County. County, yeah. Wake County. Uh, he comes out and says, of this task force finding, I feel that we should be spending our time honoring our children. Instead, we're spending our time debating a Fox News-driven story. Um, Robinson turned around and said, listen, we didn't hide in the dark to do this task force. We didn't ask to do it. Parents, teachers, and students of North Carolina demanded it. And to sit here and call it a Fox News-driven issue when I've stood with teachers who have cried because they feel like their jobs and their livelihoods and their professions have been threatened, for you to call it, that's an insult, an absolute insult. I think Mark Robinson's going to have a thing or two to say. And listen, I guarantee you, Mark Robinson did not cower in that state legislature. I can't (laughs) wait to talk to him tomorrow. It's going to be good. We'll get them fired up over there. I mean. Hey, listen, join us tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Mark Robinson in studio. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.